a tough customer by how asymmetrically your blinks are. Program shutting down. Yeah. Podcast not getting put up. Come, podcast incomplete. <laughs> I sent you a picture. The cat came and sat on me and I was like, why? That's unrelated. I also don't know where your phone is, sweetie, so don't expect me to do something about that. I got nothing. You're good. I'm recording. Okay, great. Let's get let's get straight to the biscuits. <gasps> Ladies and future boys, welcome to the School for Wayward Nerds, the only podcast bracing itself for the dark, gritty Betty Boop reboot. My name is Toby DePollet, and this week we are rectifying a blind spot in my nerd knowledge. Ah, uh, Mike Mignola's Hellboy. Sure, I loved the Guillermo del Toro trilogy, even if we never got the last one of it. It wanted to be a trilogy, I'm counting it as one. Yeah, that's fair. It's like, um... It wasn't through lack of wanting that it wasn't a trilogy. Cool Runnings are still a bobsled team, even though they didn't complete their race. Jamaica have a bobsled so, team. Yeah, Jamaica has a Hellboy. Um, yeah, and I, yeah, I was annoyed like everyone else when they rebooted those movies as well, you know. Um, but I hadn't really delved into the book series before. Today we fix that with Volume 1, Seed of Destruction. Joining me is our producer, Kyle. Now, Kaya, what is your association with the Hellboy? The original two films. Mm. So the trilogy. It'd be twice, so it'd be a trilogy. No. I'm not calling it a duology, because that's silly. There's only two. The dynamic duo. The good ones. Hell and boy. Um, the, right. all, the ones with Solmo. Hayek. That one. Mm-hmm. And the fish. Abe Sepia. Yeah. Alright, so the concept and art was done by Mike Mignola. Um, do you like his art style? Mm. We, I'm sure we've spoke about it when we covered Disney's Atlantis, or mentioned he designed Mr. Freeze in the Batman animated series, because, you know, those things sort of come up pretty regularly for us. Um, yeah, I love his strange, blocky, dark style. Like, I saw that Hellboy was a combination of H.P. Lovecraft and Jack Kirby, and that makes a lot of sense for his personal inspirations for his art style, because I see plenty of that blocky Jack Kirby body type, and at the same time a lot of tentacles, which is Lovecraft's thing. It's, it's me, H.P., back at it again with the fish people. You know how he is. I'm pretty sure if you go back and listen to one of us Boopapaloozas, we talk about him. Um, yeah, it seems... That's another one of those it's things that pops up in our circles. Saw with Sean on it. Hmm. Formed a 34 Sydney Streamer car. Max Comics and Collectibles. Um, so, the story in this first volume was scripted by John Byrne, which was a name I was surprised to see here. His run on X-Men put him and Chris Claremont into the Will Eisner Hall of Fame, uh, he also worked on the 1986 reboot of Superman. So he's a big name to just pop up in this random book that had, you know, on its first go. Yeah. In its volume one. Um, yeah, I like I like the to list character creation credits on this podcast. So we'll say Emma Frost, Sabretooth, Kitty Pride, and uh, let's go with Bishop. I'm pretty sure he's in a couple movies. A lot of X-Men are his. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, there's there's plenty more, but obviously I don't need to check shit about X Men to know which ones are the important ones to bring up. Um, so these. So these two people, they put out the first volume of Hellboy in 1994. It's a lot older than I thought it was. I was but a wee top. Mm, yeah. Yeah, they did learn something uh, I found fascinating. Oh, sorry, they did something that I always find fascinating. Like, I know I compare everything to the Arkham games, but the world was already established. It was rich, full of things for me to learn about, you know, because Batman had been a series for 70 years at that point. But exactly 60 years when Arkham Asylum came out. So 70 years. I'm doing fine. <laughs> um, Seed of Destruction acted like that. Like, it might be the first volume, but the world was not new. You were new to it. Yeah. Which is hard to describe, but that's but the best way I can think to do it. It's easy for it to be set that way because it's kind of like Mignola's taken what H.P. Lovecraft and Kirby had Hmm. and imagined that was real. Everything else is set in our world. Yeah. It's a realistic world with obviously some odd differences. But that's the thing. He doesn't treat them like odds and differences. He's like, Cthulhu is a real thing. It's a creature in the, you know, off the coast of somewhere. Hmm. Like, that's why it gives it that ability that, you know, you watch it and you're like, yeah, that could happen. Yeah. Like, of course, that's what the underground of New York looks like. Treats you don't question it because it's so close to what you know. And, like, both Kirby and Lovecraft, they've been around so long that it's, like, this pop culture. They've normalized the style. But it's just, like, everyday life. Hmm. So... It's very easy to just, like, believe these worlds. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it does... It, it hits its quick origin points for the new characters as it goes, but that's pretty standard in books, too. Mm. Like, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor's Power Girl had to do it. Tom King's Mr. Miracle did it. Obviously, they're, they're pre-existing characters, but sometimes when you're about to kick off a big arc, you have to you don't give the newcomers a quick... Yeah, you need to give them a quick rundown. Yeah, I like the choice of pre-establishment. It gives you plenty to fuck around with. I mean, I've been very addicted to Fallout since writing these notes, but because you get dumped into a world that's pre-existing, it's very easy to explore and yeah, you know, delve into it, which this book does. And that's the thing: like a character isn't born the moment you pick up a book. It's very rare. Like, and if it is, it's a shitty villain that's appearing in a Batman book, taking up space that Clayface could have been using, or Mad Hatter could have been using. And by the next um, team of writers, that character is never no, going to matter again, saying, and it's really annoying. They're not babies. They come in as you know, twenty-something character, twenty-year-old characters. Like they had to have had a life before that. Hmm. That's things what makes these things, you know. Otherwise, Doing it's a long war in origin quick. tale. And that's the thing. That's what we loved so much about the new Batman is... It's already there. Everything is pre-established. You've just stepped in. Yeah. Right. So, the the story itself, the first issue opens with the journal entries of First Sergeant George Whitman during the 23rd of December, 1944. Mm-hmm. This felt very... um. 
in that old gothic horror style. It feels very Dracula. Because it, it opens journal entry style. Um, you know, this first, this George Whitman and his men have been camped out for a couple of days at a, a, a very Bram Stoker Dracula looking manor. Um, I say that because it's in Europe and the villagers in around it won't even look at it and won't give it a name, so they don't know what it's called either. Um, they tell the villagers nearby the house there could be, you know, could be full of Nazis hiding out doing evil science stuff, but the villagers act like that's the least of their fucking worries. Which it probably is. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably because the place is ripe with demonic energy, as we will shortly see. Um, the top brass are obviously taking this mission very seriously, as they also sent a hero named the Torch of Liberty along with the soldiers. Um, he mentions that this little job is about something called Project Ragnarok, but you know, I'd like to talk more about Torch of Liberty himself. Because um, he is a very strange cameo. In the early days of Legend, uh, which was a little side project under the Dark, uh, Dark Horse line, kind of like your old Vertigos and such, um, Mike Mignola's Hellboy, Art Adams' Monkey Man and O'Brien, and John Byrne's Next Men and Danger Unlimited would all be in a shared universe, kind of like how I mentioned, kind of like the universe in, when we covered Barbed Wire, or much more obviously the MCU. <laughs> um, you know, um, Torch of Liberty was from uh, Burns's Danger Unlimited, and this was just to sh- him cameo in here was just to show that the worlds were connected. Hellboy and Abe Sapien also cameo here and there in some of the other ones early on. But the three creators quickly quickly realised what a pain in the ass shared universes can quickly become. Take, for example... Every DC crossover. <laughs> yeah, cough, cough. The Batgirl wanted story up being sidetracked by Zero Year and Gothtopia. Um, so they decided to abandon the idea. Torch of Liberty is an artefact of that. And Mike has gone on record after the fact and said he wished he had created his character Lobster Johnson and used him. Like he hadn't come up with a character yet, but it would have Fit in. been a better choice, obviously, in hindsight. Um, anyway, back at this Dracula-ass house, we have the Torch of Liberty, the Soldiers, and three other players. We have uh, Professor Malcolm Frost, a paranormal genius named Trevor Broom, and a psychic medium named Lady Cynthia Eden-Jones. Sure. Um, yeah, they've all travelled to the house to find nothing, but Lady Cynthia claims that shit is on and it is on tonight. Um, she also claims that there is a second location, but this is the one that called to her specifically. Meanwhile, in that second location, a small island in Scotland, one of the biggest fucking chatterboxes I've read in a long while, begins a speech. He monologues to a group of Nazis, one of which is wearing some sort of swastika 3D glasses, which I thought was a fun visual. Um, uh, like, you know, the New Year's, like... No, no, like, he's wearing goggles, but one of them is a red monocle with a swastika logo in it. Oh. So it looks like 3D glasses, because it's just, it's, it's, the rest of the area is painted very blue. <laughs> so it just naturally feels that way. Yeah, essentially he is saying a big Dunwich horror type, they're, su- they're somewhere out there and he would like to summon them, but he does that in what I counted to be 171 fucking words. Rasputin sucks. Well, he's a the fun, Russian public thought so. He's a fun, mystical villain, but my god. He grinds me to a halt. You have, you have to remember, 
remember that he is a political figure. I know, but he monologues like a Shakespearean bitch. Or a <laughs> politician. I ain't got time for it. I just want to... I, I like when things get punched. or punching. Very simple. He wasn't good at either of those. Apparently, he was a ladies' man. Mm. I've heard the cock... His his cock in that museum is actually a horse's. Look, but Mythbusters believe, is gone now, so we'll never know. You believe what you want to believe. Mm, that's right. So I heard a song that said he was good with the ladies. Mm. He was a cat that really was gone. <laughs> um. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, he fucking everything's a huge monologue. Like I said. Um. Yeah. I I don't think they use his name in this one, but. They, it's clear who it is. Mm-hmm. Like, they don't say Rasputin, but... You know it's Rasputin. I've got, uh, he explains literally his origins. He's <laughs> a very specific man in history, honestly. Um, But yeah, he is here with these Nazis doing some Frankenstein-y looking sci-fi bullshit to summon Lovecraft gods. Uh, the Nazi scientists try their best to keep the sci-fi stuff running, but the fluorescent light bulb looking things he's holding shatters... In his big weird gloves. Lady Cynthia feels this in another location. She says something's coming. And a bolt of lightning strikes where she was standing. Um, she gets pushed out of the way, obviously. I didn't write that down for some reason. But she's not dead. <laughs> you don't see her again. Though. It, it, it fucking doesn't matter. <laughs> um, I feel like you're getting hung up on details. Well, I just I realised I left out... I made it sound like she gets electrocuted and killed. No, because you say it was where she was standing. Yeah, alright, cool. Um, yep, so back in Scotland, one of the Nazis named Von Krupp is dressing down Rasputin for failing his weird experiment, and he responds with, I've failed nothing, Von Krupp, which was a cool line. It's also one of his shortest lines. Nice. Yeah, um, yeah and he has set unreversible things into motion, my friends, just not where he is standing. In the flames I mean, left- that sounds like a Rasputin thing to, like, yeah, I've done something over there. Yeah, more than you can and comprehend, like, sir. Um... Yeah. In the flames left by the lightning, a child sits, like if a demon and a monkey had a big-handed baby. Uh, Professor Frost wants to squish it like a bug, but, you know, everyone else is like, it's kind of like just a kid or whatever. Trevor calls it the Hellboy, and the group take a big group photo with it. As if you wouldn't. Uh, which I'm pretty sure is in the movie too, yep. right? Yeah, I feel like I remember that bit. But I don't think it's a manor. It's very ruinsy in the yeah. movie, yeah. I know, it's got something to do with Nazis and that still, hmm. but I think it's like a war bunker, not a... I, I've, I've not watched it in so long. I had my gothy, emo, early 2000s movie marathon back when I had my wisdom teeth out. I've probably not seen this since. We've watched it together, so we have. Alright, cool. Good. But it has been... Years. Six, seven years. Alright, so, and it's been a while in the book, too. Isn't that convenient? Welcome to the present day of roughly 1994, I assume. People are debating if Shawshank Redemption or Forrest Gump are the better movies that year, and Pulp Fiction was about to be the personality of millions of film bros throughout the world. Um... Of course, I was like one or two at this time, so my point of reference was likely Sesame Street. That's Elmo's World. I'm pretty sure Elmo's World was later. It was much later. Yeah, so I was too old see, to be you're, watching you're that a, show. You're a fake Sesame Street nerd. I'm, I'm calling you out. 
<laughs> Again, I was too old to be watching that show. Yep. Speaking of too old, we find Trevor Broom listening to old recordings of himself. In all this time, he still has no answers for what happened on that day. He's a very old man and seems pretty lost and confused. Um, adult Hellboy finds him there. Um, how do you feel about the look? The, mo- the movie version, I, I think I prefer. Because he's got, you know, he's, he's very tanky, but he has very little legs. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's got the hoofs going on, so they're... Look. In a world that looks relatively, like, proportionately realistic, he's got, like, a like a Bruce Tim sort of triangular build, which looks a little bit funny to me sometimes. I th- and it looks funny to me a lot of the times, but I think that's just because I spend so much time trying to, like, correct proportions. Yeah. I we went away on the weekend, and there was a picture I just couldn't stop staring at. Because they had messed up the face proportions. Mm-hmm. Just slightly. It was just enough oh, that yeah, I, I noticed it. Yeah. And I was like, if you had just another two inches, yeah. everything would be fine. So yes, I have that. I put it down to he's a demon. Do you like his big fired off horns? The big circles? Poor little I think they're cool. It's cool, but He's it's a cool sad. visual. I like, I like how the guy looks. Um, I think they did well to create, like, a realistic demon. Hmm. In his big trench coat. Yeah. Um, yeah, so adult Hellboy finds Trevor. Um, Trevor has been the one who's raised him this whole time. You know, after they took their group photo, everyone's like, I don't know. And he's like, I guess I'll just keep it. I don't, I don't know. You can't just leave it here, I suppose. Yeah. What do you do? Um... But, but for the last 10 months, um, Hellboy's been looking for Trevor. He's been a missing person. Um, this is Hellboy Hellboy being the one to track him down here. Um, Trevor has something to tell him, but can't really find the words, or maybe even the memories. And it's pretty sad to see. Like, he, he gets there eventually, but it's somewhere in between I've been traumatically hypnotized by Elder Gods, but I'm also very old, so it's, a, it's got a dementia vibe to... And the guy guiding me is like my weird faux son. Yeah. It, ew. it cuts. Which is... Which which ends up being pretty good for how the book is written. Yeah. Because it matters. Um, he was on an expedition in the Arctic. Him, uh, three Cavendish boys. If this pop-up doesn't leave soon, I'm going to... F- there we go. Alright, great. That's what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so these three... Brothers named Cavendish, they're there, um, and a professor. Uh, sorry, a professional Arctic explorer named Sven Olafsson. Is he from Frozen? No, I'm noticing. It. I thought of the Sven part when I was writing my notes, but now I'm realizing it's two of those fuckers. So we're gonna move on real quick. So it's a reindeer and a snowman. He's a snow explorer. He needs the pedigree. <laughs> all right. Also, so, was there all along? Yeah. Um. There's an ancient temple up, literally on the top of the earth, and nine generations of these Cavendish men have been trying to search for this temple. Uh, these are the first batch to actually get there. Inside Trevor Broom finds a like huge, huge, huge statue of one of these Lovecraftian monsters, um, and a shadow of a man, oh, sorry, a statue of a, of a man below it in a meditative pose. Uh, he brushes the dust off the statue to find it's not a statue, it is a m- meditating man. Um, and that's when his me- memories fall apart. Hellboy's pretty supportive and gentle here, which is a weird visual because he's obviously a, a giant red hulk 
creature. The whole big teddy bear thing. Yeah. Like, people only find him intimidating because they don't know him. Because he's usually, like, grumpy. Um, and, it, yeah, it's it's done well, The like, the elderly father thing, considering such a short time that mm. it's established. Like, it... Because it acts like you've been reading these guys' adventures since World War Two. Yeah. You know, like, it, it's got that vibe already. Mm. You know, so it's it's good. Um, and then frogs. You love frogs. Uh-huh. Lots and lots of frogs start dropping from the ceiling, and Trevor freaks the fuck out and runs out of the room, only to be thrown right back in, covered in little suction dots. You could say they're like... Like the suction marks of like an octopus say but the body is dried the hell out too so i wouldn't be surprised if they were drawn to be puncture wounds it's up to your interpretation you know good horror lets your mind do some of the work itself so so does this and that's Um, the thing your brain is scarier than anything someone could write that's right um hellboy races into the next room to beat the shit out of whatever just killed his fucking dad um he has anger problems he says here he makes mistakes when he's mad um, such as running into a pitch black room with his gun drawn, and he can't see anything. Um, I also like that it mentions that the gun was a gift from Torch of Liberty, because I can just chalk it up to any time he's got a big old pistol with like a little pendant hanging off the off the um grip. I'm just going to assume it's carrying the legacy of this shared universe that does not exist. Nice. But, yeah, I, I like that. I like that a part of his, like, design is hung up on that shared universe stuff. It's, it's funny, because they've changed their mind on it already. Um, yeah, so... So he runs into the dark Yeah, he, he runs in there. He gets jumped by a horrible half-frog, half-man monster, which looks a little bit like Marvel's lizard, if I had to compare it to something. It wraps its tongue around his normal forearm, and it gets the little wounds and goes numb. Hellboy punches it off with his big big mitten that he has. He's wearing his big Hulk glove. Um, the frog pounces back and catches the big mitt and... Oh, sorry, yeah, he wraps the tongue around to that, but it doesn't feel pain and it's also super strong. So it just kind of, like, grabs onto the tongue and just starts swinging it around like Hulk does to Loki, but with the mouth. You know? um, the, the frog monster decides that this sucks and tries to get out of there but Hellboy fires the gun and kills the monster um as it like it, it starts to drop but by the time it hits the ground it's like stripe at the end of gremlins it's just goo and human bones which is nice which is interesting sloshy you, you got more world building as Hellboy reports these events to the head office of BPRD the Bureau of uh, Paranormal Research and Defense I like the name and overall idea it's like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. but X-Files which I appreciate. I think that's kind of a fun gimmick. I've I've been more curious to try that than Hellboy specifically. Ooh. I feel like X uh, X Files is one of those things I would have liked, but I've just never tried yet. And I feel like BPRD is kind of in that same vein, you know. Um, yeah. As the mystery starts to unfold, uh, we see Emma Cavendish in her weird house, the mother of those three missing people. Um, she's talking to a shadowy figure about things being set into motion. It's a good issue one, I think. It really doesn't feel like an issue one, but, you know, I started Detective Comics in the middle of an adventure too, so I, I'm fine with this. Yeah. It's my natural habitat. And I also love the final panel of issue one being the frog in her teacup. 
It's a good, it's a good frog. It's a good drawing. Again, with the you like frogs. Mm. But why frogs in this book, Kyle? Because they're slimy oh. things that make no amphibious sense. Um, no, the first chapter ends with a myth from Africa that I have struggled to fact check about frogs being why we only live once. Um, I hadn't heard it before, but I think it's a cool little story. Um, and I will now sum it up quickly and take all the mystic ancient fable class out of it because I suck. So man worries he will die one day. So he sends, you know, dog to ask God for more lives. Man's best friend. Uh And, you know, more lives like a video game. Um, you know, dog's like, yeah, that's cool. I can do that. Um, but dog gets distracted by soup and frog overhears the man's request and worries man will ruin frog's nice habitat and destroy the environment. Um, so he goes to God first and asks that maybe man only get one life each. Um, dog eventually shows up after looking at soup and asks God for extra lives, but God says, sorry, dude, frog already came by and I granted his wish first. It's, it's written much better in the book. I can't recommend it enough. It's also got a cool image of like a frog and a frog skeleton. Cool artwork. Um, <laughs> okay. Find the image of that page because it's better than what I said. So chapter two opens with Cavendish Hall, um, a big spooky manor built beside a big lake by the first of the Cavendish line to come to America. Um, house has been sinking into the lake over time ever since because it's probably cursed. Also, that's what houses on lakes do. Mm-hmm. It's not on lakes. It's just right next to a fucking body of water. In a swamp land. Yeah. yeah. House on lake. Oh, I thought you said on legs. No. I don't know if this is a thing everywhere, but in, like, the southern areas underneath Melbourne, a lot of houses are just, like, on stilts for some reason. I think it's so you can park your car under it, but I don't no, think that's so the that point. When it floods, it doesn't get into your house. None of those areas that's flood, though. That's why I don't understand. I remember looking at them as a kid being like, I don't get it. I'm not talking about stilts all right well it's on a lake or stumps it don't matter talking about body of water Hmm. um yeah this is the current home of ever cavendish the old lady we mentioned earlier hellboy will be staying there to ask about the expedition with his co-workers from bprd uh we have elizabeth sherman to call her an insanely powerful pyromancer would be very subtle uh, when her powers awoken at age 11, she went off like a small sun, destroying a city block and 32 people, including her family. They like doing that to their women. I'm pretty sure that's from the movie, too. Phoenix. No, no, from the Hellboy movie. Yes, she does. Elizabeth does that in Hellboy. Mm. That's why she hangs out with them. Yeah. Yeah, but she gets abducted I'm, after I the mean, fact. within these universes, mm. Phoenix does the same thing. Don't forget El Diablo and fucking the worst Suicide Squad movie so far. That's DC. We're not talking about that shit right now. Um. <laughs> how can you cut me off DC, but you're comparing Dark Horse to Marvel? I don't know. Fuck you. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, after her family gets blown up in, in a, a huge inferno, um, she becomes a ward of the Bureau, kind of like an X-Men character. Um. And not the Gill Man from Shape of Water or the Gill Man from Black Lagoon, but Abraham Sapien. Alright. He is a... He's in a beard and glasses disguise right now. But 
I think if you're listening to this, you know who the guy is. You've seen the fucking movies, probably. Strange Frog Boy. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's the dude from the poster of Shape of Water, but in a suit. Yeah. Yeah. Scuba suit, not a classy tuxedo or nothing. He was found in a suspended animation tank under a hospital in Washington. His name is Abe because the newspaper left by his tank still had Lincoln's assassination on it. Um, he is a... Oh, I practiced this for those days ago. Ichthyosapien. That sounds alright. Um, do you want some extra info dump here? If you have it. I do. Because there's not a lot of origin explanation for Liz, but there is for um, Abe Sapien. Because he had his own he had his own book for a little while. Um, yeah, his real name was Langdon Everett Call. A Victorian era scientist who was involved with a little cult society called the Owen Society. Uh, don't know how to pronounce that, but they believe that all life and knowledge came from the sea. And they would try to prove it in relatively weird ways. Uh, they got a weird jellyfish from an ancient ruin and they did a ritual to release it. A side effect of this arcane little performance was Langdon becoming a fishman. So while well, he developed the Owen Society, uh, put him in a tube and hid it in a hidden Washington lab. But then the Civil War happened and everything got all fucking chaotic and the society had to abandon the lab for a little while. A while being forever because it was discovered in 1978 by a workman instead. Uh, he's now a field agent with Liz and Helper. There you go. His name was Langdon. That seems very old-timey. It is an old-timey it, name. It checks. So while I was reading about Abe, um, like he's an Easter egg you'd find in a fucking video game, Miss Cavendish has explained to the team... All the stuff I'd already said, you know, the men of the bloodline want to find this myth or dream. The first one wanted, he was a whaler named Elihu, and he will matter later a little bit. Um, but the three missing from the latest expedition are presumed dead, so the bloodline has died off, so technically the curse is over. Um, with that, it's late, and the butler shows the team to their rooms for the night, as you do. Emma alone talks to a the shadowy figure again, this being Rasputin, obviously, if you couldn't figure that out yourself. Um, she is doing his bidding in return for her two eldest sons' return. Spoiler alert for later, the youngest son was the frog monster that Hellboy already killed. That's why it's only the two kids now. Um, and the other two do the suction thing that night and kill their mother. Uh, but while that's going on, Hellboy is going over the origin stories for Liz and Abe in quick summaries. And in a fairly new story arc, new reader style, again, like it's he's doing the quick summary style. To pretend like he already knew this. Um, yeah. Uh, Abe sneaks out to search under the house in the water for clues in the lake. Um, but before leaving, he points out to Hellboy that the butler was clearly that Sven guy from the Arctic. Like, he's I mean, not it's wearing not hard a, to see a reindeer. He's not wearing a disguise or nothing. He's just the same beard and face and everything. Antlers, if you will. Um, Carrot nose. Yep. Yep, so while he's... So well, Abe's gone, Hellboy calls Liz in the other room to talk about this weird clue, but she disappears mid-conversation. Um, Hellboy charges into her room and finds her cigarette because, yes, people smoke. Can you believe Penguin wasn't allowed to smoke in the Matt Reeves Batman movie? For fuck's sake, like, people want to emulate the Penguin. God damn. Um, besides, the cig- besides the cigarette, not, like, aside from, but, like, next to it, literally, is some frogs. Frogs. That's, oh, I just closed the whole fucking document. All right, I'm back. <laughs> Still learning how to do this with a screen. I like acoustic words, meaning paper. 
I tried. No, what can you do? Um, Hellboy is in the doorway. He gets approached by the butler. Hellboy grabs him, and he quickly becomes a frog monster too. Uh, they fight until Hellboy tosses him over the stairs, and as the monster tries to stand up from the fall, he just breaks a big vase over his head like he's fucking Link or something. Um, I like the fights in this book. The overabundance of shading in Mike Mignola's art style gives... It leaves a lot to your imagination, which translates good in the horror, but the choreography too, because everything's very blocky, so it's, it helps to hide some of it, because everyone running around looking like a Lego man and shit. Yeah. Um, it's good. Um, after the fight, Hellboy finds Miss Cavendish still in her chair from earlier. Upon inspection, though, like I said, suction cupped corpse. Yeah. All right. So then Rasputin reveals himself to Hellboy, and he's like, yeah, I summoned you, bitch. And I'm kind of like your master, so kneel before me. Um, Hellboy tells him where he can stick it, and right on cue, a, um, a big tentacle monster rips up through the floor and pulls Hellboy down into the swampy remains of the basement. Obviously, I'm summarizing. Everything Rasputin said was like a short novella. <laughs> yeah, he time. likes himself. He, mm, I've got it in my notes as, as we go, but I'll just say it fucking now. Those really arrogant, monologue villains... Take, for example, roughly 65% of the fairy tale bad guys in, you know, the fairy tale anime. I fucking hate that shit so much. Because while they're talking, just punch them. It's unreasonable to sit there and just chill. It's kind of like how the villains have to patiently sit while the five teenagers with attitude do a bunch of sweet choreographed kung fu and then transform individually each one for roughly five, six seconds apiece, and then when they're in their Power Ranger costumes, they do some more sick posing, and, and then the monster has to, like, oh, shit, my brakes over, puts down his fucking coffee, and then goes back to it. Well, when else would you, you know, manicure your nails? You probably chipped one during the fight. You know what I mean? It's just, it's... I can't believe I'm about to say this about fucking Hellboy. It's really unrealistic. That's what <laughs> you have problems with. I, I, I understand that. It's just a pet peeve of mine. I just, I wish Did people... I mention the squid fish man? It might be my, like, misanthropy, but I don't have time for people talking, which is ironic, because look at, I'm doing a fucking podcast right now. But let's not get too existential. Let's talk about the disorientated Hellboy who's looking around in this swamp basement. Swamp basement! Oh my lord, get out. <laughs> get out of my room, cat. Um... You're not my real dad. Where am I now? I've got... I'm vamp for me. I'm scrolling back down. (laughs) I thought you would have something to say with words. (laughs) Oh my god. You just told me how you hate solo conversation. It is late and it has been a whole few days. We went on a nice tropical getaway in the fucking rain. Where I died. (laughs) That was our weekend. Look, it's... And now I'm here reading about uh, a big demon... Who has to file the horns down on his head? Last week we had technical <laughs> issues, as in laptops committed suicide. This week, oh, just yeah. our health, our health is not good. Everything's deteriorating so rapidly. I can't pull myself out of Fallout Four long enough to think. Um. All right. So the big basement. It's huge, crazy huge, full of old tribal artifacts and statues, probably collected I mean, from the Cavendish bloodline on their search yeah. for this uh, Lovecraft monster. That sits atop the earth, which is... I know it's like snow, and that's usually where Santa lives. But for a spooky thing to sit atop the earth is, you know, kind of a cool mm. mental visual. It's 
It's a shame that Santa Claus co-opted that. Um, well, of course, he's a mystic being. Look, it's cool. Where else is he going to live? Um, Rasputin in the shadows while Hellboy's looking around monologues about how people used to sacrifice themselves for these old gods, but they don't want the blood of man. They want freedom. Yeah. Uh, fair enough. That's a fair point. Um, the power you to do so... You can only do so much with blood. And, and the power to do so has never been among us, which is a term that's ruined, I've noticed, um, until now. Um, so Rasputin has the power... And, you know, he's got the juice to do it. He summoned Hellboy to stand by him during this Ragnarok, um, to which Hellboy obviously refuses. Fuck this guy. Um, he's a very morally, like, <laughs> upstanding character. He's an upstanding citizen, and he swings up his huge-ass hand cannon of a gun and just blows uh, Rasputin away directly to the face. E. To his credit, as an evil sorcerer, he takes it like a champ and casts some sort of spell that throws Hellboy across the room into the water. Um, he also gives the classic, like, I brought you into this world, I can take you out, sort of trope, you know how it goes. I'll put you right back up in that lightning pussy. That's right. When Hellboy real- realizes this guy actually does mean business, he decides to stall, which is easy, just get this asshole to start talking. Um, yes, I have a pet peeve about chatty, arrogant villains, look at that, there's my notes about it. Um... But I will say during this bit of monologue where Hellboy's like, man, I need to stall, hey buddy, how are you, and he just goes you know um he gives his origin which gives away that he's fucking rasputin and not just some vague sorcerer um russia tries to assassinate him he's poisoned shot and drowned in a frozen lake and it gives the location name so really narrows it down (laughs) as to who this guy is so long as you know your history Uh uh-huh uh but while he was under the frozen river um not drowning like our timeline but listening to the voice of a snake god Loki. This is remember when we were talking in the barbed wire episode about the point that deviates from our timeline. I think this might be it from for us and the Hellboy universe. Um, so Rasputin is convinced by the Snake God to provide the fall of mankind. Um, and then that Olaf, Olafson frog monster attacks again, and in the huge percentage of the page that is Rasputin's speech bubbles. It says that Cavendish frog beasts seem to have ditched after killing their mother. Um, you know, it's very Ed Kemper of them. Um, where do you think they went? They're just hanging out in this one. Hmm. Well, we jump to check in on Abe, who's been exploring another piece of the strange basements of Cavendish Hall. Um, he's finding a lot of coffins where he is. Um, and he finds those frog brothers with their mother's body taking her into the depths. Putting her in the funeral of department guess. of the house. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're going underwater. They're amphibious. But they've obviously, like, kind of snapped out of their violence. They're a bit more remorseful. But Abe doesn't know that. He doesn't really want to deal with them. He says, fuck this. Um, quietly steps away, but stumbles into a small room holding the somehow still intact corpse of Elihu Cavendish, the original. The first American one. Um, meanwhile, the remaining frog monster is beating the shit out of Hellboy. Um, it stops to let fucking Rasputin talk some more. Um, you know, after leaving Russia, he fled to a small town in Italy where he would preach to those who listened, but mostly just tried to reconnect with the snaky god that spoke to him. Um, now, I don't know how common knowledge this is, but early Nazi party stuff was chasing magical bullshit. For, I, 
I forget what it was called. It was a fa- that, that a side project name, but they were out looking for Miolna. They were looking for the Spear of Destiny and shit. Yep, that's why the whole Indiana Jones thing is about them looking for like. That's why the Nazis are there because yeah. they, you know, competitively looking for mythical bullshit, Rotel Dorado stuff. So this version of the timeline, in which Rasputin is still kicking, a man comes looking for him. A quote small and cringing human named Himloff. I like Rasputin is an arrogant dick and is condescending to everyone, but the way he shit talks the Nazis while using their resources is pretty good. I kind of I'm fine with that. It's one of those ones where it's like he's a villain, but fuck the Nazis. It's great. I'm trying to summon. I'm know, a big boy villain, not a mama boy. Villain. I'm out here trying to summon Cthulhu, but I'm taking the moral high ground on this. <laughs> Yeah, um, so they go to Germany and meet a, quote, small doomed madman. That is them I describing... Who that could be. Yeah, this guy is Hitler, by the way. Uh, Rasputin knew they were all clowns and the war would not end on their side, but they would give him unlimited resources and have next to no conscience or morality to what he was doing. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Uh, he picked out three to work with. Um, he chose, like, human-looking ones, which bums me out because there's the shot of all their top scientists, one of them's a gorilla with a human brain, and the other one's like a floating head with a swat sticker on the forehead of it, in a jar. I'm like, let's 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 look, let's look into those real quick, come on. You can't take those out on a dinner date. He's taking them into a weird lab somewhere anyway, I want to see the cool ones. I just, I like the, what kind of weird steampunk variation universe are we running right now? Um, yeah, that's kind of fun. Um... Yeah, and him and the, the three he picks build something called the Ragnarok Engine, which was the sci-fi stuff we saw at the start of the book. Anyway, shortly after the war ended, Rasputin was alone once again. Um, you know, he tried that science experiment like he, like we saw, but, you know, nothing for him directly is coming from it. He has to kind of wait it out. And while he's just kind of sitting there doing nothing, his parcel tongue schizophrenia or snake god... Um, tells him to head north, young man. You know, off you go. Um, you know, he keeps going north, only to discover that temple from the expedition where he sits and waits. Uh, when Trevor Broom, you know, finds him, um, he turns everyone into frog monsters and sends Trevor Broom home to essentially be the clue that Hellboy finds to come looking for this shit. Um, and they were going to use the statue hidden in the basement, which they've moved back with the f- strength of the frog monsters, um, to summon the Lovecraftian shit. Right. Yeah, because he thought Hellboy would... Something to Be do with his, his big, side. powerful hand. Yeah. But Hellboy isn't into the whole end-of-the-world scheme, but you know who is good at following cult leader people? Someone hypnotized in a trance. Yeah. Someone like Liz Sherman. Her power is obviously insane, as we mentioned, but she's open to psychic influence because she's just a normal fucking person. Um, Now, I haven't used any of the monstrous gods' names yet because I can't be trusted to pronounce fucking anything, but uh, Sadu Hem starts to emerge from the water. Tentacles, eye-looking things, you you get it. It's not the iconic Cthulhu, but it's... Giant squid monster. Yeah, you know what's happening. It looks like a cuttlefish, but big. Um... Rasputin offers Hellboy one last chance to join him and Liz. Uh, he is told to go to hell, and I do like Rasputin's line of, no need, creature. Hell's coming here. I'm like, nice. Every time he has, like, a little short one-liner, I'm like, damn. 
But then, you know, there's seas of words to get through to find those cool moments. Politician. Hmm. I, don't, I can't even compare the two because he's like, he believes in something. <laughs> I'm sure politicians do as well. They're paychecks. They, they believe in some stuff, but I'm not here to talk about the um, Bohemian Grove and stuff. I'm here to talk about um, a frog monster attacking Hellboy, sucking his life out. He says he feels himself going numb. Um, Rasputin announces that the other gods he's trying to emerge, like, he's literally just listing them and introducing them like a fucking wrestling announcer. And coming into the ring now, we have... Yeah, it's, it's, it may as well be. It's filler. He, he doesn't shut up. <laughs> um, yeah, and while that's happening, a big blue light in the sky comes through the house. Uh, insert my list from the Suicide Squad episode for the visual of that, because that's in a million fucking movies. Um, Hellboy has to do something. He doesn't seem to have much energy left because of the frog, but he shoves a concussion grenade into the frog and it blows apart, obviously. The portal starts to spread. It's, I fucking love to look for this because it's dedicated to H.P. Lovecraft and Jack Kirby. It does the Kirby crackle. I'm like, damn, you know. Um, they've also gone out of their way to add Kirby crackle to the Disney um, Marvel area. For those who are who are impressed by that, it feels like a weird deep cut for them. Not really. Disney are all about the deep cut. Yeah, but the Marvel if, if section is look, just to the Marvel MCU. The fact that it did anything yeah, comic-y is kind of impressive to me. If you look, it's there. I'm jaded at the best. <laughs> Again, if you look, it's there. They pump smells in to brainwash you or something. Um, you can say that all you want, but that blue reply, man. <laughs> exactly. Um, yep. Yeah, so the, the frog explodes. There's a bit of love. There's a bit of Kirby crackle as the portal opens. Um, the, the big sarcophagus coffin things that the Lovecraft gods uh, trapped in start to open in, like on the inside of the portal. It cuts to a collection of sci-fi aliens detecting Earth's crazy bonkers energy readings, which is a very left of field scene to have in the middle of this book. Aliens are like, damn, they're doing something crazy. We gotta, we gotta go down there and stop that shit. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. Um, yeah, they say there's a single way to stop gods, and and you know the panel design subtly implies that it's you know what Hellboy's big hand is there for. But you know, if I if I come back to some more of the Hellboy universe, we'll definitely talk about it on the podcast. But for now, um, we can go back to Rasputin, who's still fucking monologuing, but suddenly shuts up, because there's a whole ass harpoon through his chest. Yay! That's a cool moment, too, because he shuts the fuck up, and then there's a panel of him looking a little confused, and then, like, the blood starts coming out of the mouth, and then it's a side profile image, and there's just a whole ass, like, meter of harpoon sticking through his chest. That could be an old school one. That's because um, Abe threw it, sort of. He had been possessed by Elihu, who, I guess, in the afterlife is just trying to put a stop to this fucking family curse bullshit. He's fucking over it at this point. Probably been haunting that house since forever. I think, well, no, I think it says 200 years. Yeah. Nine generations. Which, no. Look, he, he's over it. <laughs> I mean, you would be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, due to that happening, obviously Rasputin's a little distracted. So he snaps out of possessing Liz, who just, as a response, explodes. 
not in like a I'm dead way, but in a I have the power of the sun kind of way. Uh, Rasputin obviously ignites. Sadu Hem ignites. Um, Abe dives, catches Liz away from the fireball that is everything around her. Um, Hellboy joins them as they just run the fuck out of this burning, crumbling, sinking house. I mean, it's probably your best bet. Yep. As they get out, Hellboy hesitates, still feeling Rasputin's presence. He's in there and probably still talking, even though he is a gross, burnt corpse man. He says, Hellboy, I'll, you know, you'll never learn the sweet secrets of your big old fist without me, man. But Hellboy doesn't care and punches the bones right out of him. <laughs> um, the three of our heroes sit outside the crumbling ashes of Cavendish Hall and kind of go, wow, that was fucking weird. And somewhere in the world, a Nazi freezer activates and the three Nazis Rasputin worked beside begin to defrost. This is not the end. This is only the beginning. And for now, that's the end of our adventure. Hellboy and his friends visit a house to ask an old lady questions, and within 12 hours, they end up burning the place to the ground, and everyone inside is dead. What what a fun time. Um, And I do like that it sets up whatever story arc would take place next. It's not the one that comes after, but it... You know, it sets it sets a little bit of adventure. Thing, like, it, it, it leaves that breadcrumb for the next one, which I always I like. I like it done either short or just not at all. Yeah. If they spend way too long dicking around with it, then I get annoyed. But the aliens and the Nazi scientists are like half a page at best. Yeah. So so it's 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 just enough. I like that amount. It's good. Um, do you have any thoughts about the story? It's, it's, I feel like the movie's so... It's supposed to be inspired by this book, but it's so far... Yeah, there's there's something about it that's too far away that I, I can't even compare the two. Which is weird. It, it hits similar notes, which but, is how you know it's from that universe. Yeah, it's got it's got the world building, it's got BPRD and stuff, but it ain't the same, that's for sure. Mm. Um, so, how, how do you feel about the adventure? Good adventure. Fuck rock. This is the only time I've ever seen frogs treated really menacingly, honestly. I can't, I can't think of, like, a bad frog example. I can't really think of many frog examples, frankly. All I can think... I think... I can think of one, but I can't think of what it is. This so is an I African myth, and I feel like all white people frog myth is that they smooch it and it's a prince. <laughs> That's all I've got. Oh, you've got Tiddler. I don't know what that is, man. They've, he steals all the water, and so they have to make him laugh so that he spits the water. Oh, yeah. That's the, that's the dream time a, thing. No, yeah, you're right. Did I you notice a little kid read Tittle? No, 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 you're right. I do remember that one. My fucking dumb, tired-ass brain was trying to think of frog-shaped things in pop culture, and I realized way too late into my train of thought that I'm thinking of Ninja Turtles, uh, which are, in fact, turtles, to not, not frogs. The frog. I mean, that was the first thing, but it's I was trying to think of anything piece. else. There's, there's some good Pokemon that are frogs. You know, that, that, fuck, man, I got nothing. Frogs are underutilized in culture. Tittle the frog. Yep, let's do a gritty live action of that guy. Speaking of, that is my homework. Um, the Hellboy movies that were good uh, were that early 2000s dark, gothy, weird superhero style. Yeah, um, like, a, like Hellboy, uh, Underworld, Sin City. Um, fucking the Van Helsing movie, the Resident Evil movies, the other ones that look like Resident Evil, right? Blade, Chronicles of Riddick. There was a whole fucking... Triple X. Yeah, yeah, I'll say that. There's a lot of... Like, it's it's on the level, but... It's the extreme sport version, but it's in that... It still kind of works. Um, so I wanted to know if they were just 
if for no fucking reason someone just dropped a movie in that very specific genre, like, right fucking now, what would you like to see it be? Madeline. <laughs> Are you talking about the fucking... The girls in the orphanage? the girls in two straight lines. Just in fucking black leather, and it's playing Linkin Park? What the fuck? Is, oh my god. I'd be curious. Like, I'm not gonna lie. Girl I would see that. Live action. It's got a little boy next door and he's in his little... Very, very vaguely. We almost rewatched it, like, years ago because it was on a streaming service and we just didn't. I loved that boy. I loved their bread. I I obviously went with Skullduggery Pleasant. My reasoning being part of why I'm not really liking the quote-unquote reboot stuff, like the... It's not even a reboot. It's a later sequel stuff. Mm. Because the old version had that Guillermo del Toro sort of atmosphere to it and the new ones are like a little bit more avengersy but built on the basis of that old cool stuff which know, kind of is jarring to me i know, I know it's hard to explain to bring it back hmm. universal that's no it ain't gonna happen i know that hence the reason i know they failed to bring it back oh yeah yeah well they tried to do it avengersy maybe if they try to do it x-meny but like the old x-men movies maybe it'll work i don't know Invisible Man crashed that fucking train, man. That's cool. Those movies ain't bad. Do you count... <laughs> Actually, you haven't watched it, so you can't mm. count. Go on. I know enough about Watch everything. Me. I would, it but It fits perfectly into this. <laughs> it does, but I also would put it there just to annoy fans of it. Because if you... Silk Spectre is, like, totally within this universe. The problem with Watchmen is if you like Watchmen, you're kind of missing the point of Watchmen. Which sounds fucking ridiculous, but yeah. The, the problem we covered with... it on the podcast, did we not? No, not really. The problem with Watchmen... Why did I fucking read it, then? You know We'll what? have this conversation after this podcast ends, because I know why you read it. It doesn't matter. Um... The problem that we have now is the boys has done it better. Hmm. Because it's the same premise. Yeah. What if all the villain? What if all the superheroes were jerks? Huh? Incredible. What's the? Something jarred about. There's Something another jaded one about that's supposed to be fun. that fits into all of this conversations. The Spirit. That's a really good film. That's what I haven't seen because I confuse it with the Dark Man. They used to play it like always on repeat hmm. on Foxtel. It was that and the three musketeers. Oh, no, Man in the Iron Mask, which is three musketeers. Yeah. Hmm. They should bring that genre back because no one would care. It's hard. Look, if Disney are just constantly making remakes of the stuff we grew up with, why can't we make remakes? But new films in the vision of remakes. (laughs) Treat them like remakes. Hardly inspired by... Live-action corpse, bro. Uh, you know that'll happen one day and it won't be good. Apparently Hercules is next. They're all kind of next because they announce them all the time. Peter well, Pan's I... supposed to be next. Pinocchio's supposed to be next. No, Pinocchio's... But then someone else is making Pinocchio, so they changed their mind about Disney's Pinocchio's Pinocchio. is actually happening because Tom Hanks is doing Geppetto. <laughs> Cruella was funny. Cruella was terrible. <laughs> yeah, but that's why it was so funny. People like that film. Uh, I don't know about... People like that film. I know. I thought it was great, but I was watching it like it was a parody of itself. It was a parody of itself. I feel like we're a parody of ourselves, so we should probably wrap this up. Thank you for listening to our description of the first Hellboy book. 
I would recommend it. I think it's a cool time. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been your host, uh, Toby DePaul. I've been joined by producer Kaya. I have been physically present. Yeah. Um, and we read a book. So that's, I didn't. That's cool. Remember to rate, review, subscribe, and we will see you later. Class is dismissed. Oh, I didn't.